Show. Your home for Southeast Motorsports Sports coverage. Here's your host, Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Leave Lap Radio, where we talk motorsports and nothing but motorsports, usually, at least, for about an hour or so, and uh, enjoying this show tremendously already, because in studio, we have one of the fastest rising young racing stars from the uh, Charlotte Lake Norman region, back for a second time in the WSIC studio this season because, well, he's earned it. Gavin Bochelle is back. And um, Gavin, real quick, for those who may have missed the first time that you were on, uh, talk a little bit about how old you are, where you're from, and just give a quick update of what you're doing this year with your racing. Um, my name is Gavin Bochelle. I'm 14 years old. Um, from Mooresville, North Carolina, and um, I race uh, mostly dirt. And I'm um, starting to get into pavement late models and stuff. And I, uh, on the dirt side, I race sprint cars and um, midgets and micros. Yeah, so you're kind of an all-around racer. You're multi-surface. You're multiple different kinds of cars, and. Th- Part of the reason I brought you back again is so we could dive into that a little bit deeper because you, um, since we've talked, you've had a little more time, say, in the payment weight model. So talk a little bit about kind of what's new over the last, say, couple of months just since you were on the first time. Um, uh, not too much with the um, pavement stuff, but um, definitely the dirt. Um, we've been testing a lot on the pavement um, back uh, like probably a month ago. Um, got to win the midget and then... Um, Sprint car, we've been running a lot. We've just been really fast, just stuff's been breaking. But um, And then the midget, we raced last week. We finished uh, second and then third and then, like, tenth, I think. But um, we were really close to winning that. And, uh, yeah, we just keep going with the flow, really. We uh, race, I don't know how many times a year, but it's definitely a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. And I think uh, when you were here before, I think your dad said you had over 100 races planned. For this season, how do you keep your schedule straight? Um, I don't really work the schedule. My dad kind of organizes it out to certain dates and stuff. So, um, we kind of have like the plane tickets and stuff, or like we have everything organized if we need to drive there or something like that. But um, usually everything's out to plan. Sometimes there'll be some last minute adjustments, but other than that, we uh, have it all set. Well, that's what happened last week. We were supposed to have you on last week's show. And you had one of those last-minute adjustments. Talk about what happened. Oh yeah, so um, we were um, we weren't expecting we were just expecting to be home the whole week, and um, all of a sudden my dad's like, "All right, we're going to PA." So we ran the micro two days in PA, and uh, we didn't do too good the first night. Second night, we uh, transferred out of the B, and then we were we came up. There's a lot of crashes. We were up to third, and then something. I think that the chain popped off, and the ladder was like bent in. So um ended our night early but um other than that it was a good week there now what uh what made the decision for you to go to pa to race a micro uh and then i want to talk to you about what it's like to go to pa and race a micro because um pennsylvania is basically except for maybe the state of indiana it's pretty much micro sprint heaven in the country uh yeah you know um i'm not too sure i told my dad like i wonder it's big races so uh he kind of like made something happen i guess because we weren't doing anything that weekend so um we went there but uh the PA and the micro racing and PA in general is just um, very different. It's tough. It's a different kind of tough than anywhere else. Explain for our audience. Um, the competition. There's just over there's over eighty cars each night, and it over wow. over a week period. So like it was pretty crazy. And like 
their mentality there of racing is just like they're 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 not afraid to to get you hit you or anything like they'll they'll rough you up a little bit and uh <laughs> yeah they think they're in stock cars in other uh-huh, words yeah <laughs> they, yeah. Don't, they forget these are mm-hmm. open wheel cars uh that can flip over when you hit people the wrong way um but it's a it is a very competitive uh series or division up there micros that was kind of i think one of the original breeding grounds for the micro sprints period um and it's it's just grown ever since then what's it like to go in cuz those cars are pretty equal yeah you have mm-hmm. teams that set them up differently or better or whatever but most of those cars are pretty equal what's it like to go compete in a week-long uh, deal like that with 80 cars a night, and what do they start, like 24? Uh, yeah, I think like 20, yeah, probably 24, 25. Wow, that's like a mini Chili Bowl uh-huh. every night. It's yeah. like your your Chili Bowl qualifying mm-hmm. night every night. What's that like for you as a driver? How do you deal with that? Um, I kind of really take it in perspective of like who's all there, but um, everyone's definitely pretty equal. You know, there's there's like 20 guys could probably win the thing, and there's 80 of them there. And there's 24 that start the race, so half the field could probably win that race. It's just whoever comes down, whoever has the best car, whoever makes the best decisions, whoever's just the smartest and uh, does the most in the car to um, win it. Yeah, it's really, it, it must make it very challenging, especially at your age. It's almost like a puzzle you've got to solve. How do I... How do I put the pieces together in my head to make my car go faster than their cars, which are pretty similar to my car? Um, it's just kind of thinking outside the box, you know, do different things that like go where they're not going and um, just make smart passes and stuff. It's uh, definitely harder when you have, like, you're racing against, like, older guys, like, 18, 20, some even 30. <laughs> yeah. Calling them older guys. <laughs> well, not older, but, like, necessarily older, older, than, than, you. older than me. You're older 13, than me. yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, it's... Uh, it's hard, you know, because um, I'm young and I don't know as much as them guys do and they have more experience than me, but uh, it's just a big learning curve. It's hard, to, and, it, and that's hard. Like, for me, that's interesting to hear that they have so much more experience than you because you probably run twice as many races mm-hmm. a year as they do, mm-hmm. but you're running so many different things. Your experience is different than theirs. Theirs is all in one car. Uh, yeah, it's definitely really hard with um going all, like, back-to-back in different cars, different, like, types of like you're on asphalt and then you're on dirt it's uh it's different compared to them guys because they're uh say you're in a 360 sprint car for your whole 12 years of racing i mean you're probably gonna be pretty good and other than the person that like me like running like everywhere different kind of cars and stuff so um it's definitely different We'll get you to tip your mic down a little All bit right. there, Gavin. Yes, yeah, so there you go. Get a little bit um so you're talking more directly into it so you uh what tracks did you race at up there um, it was, uh, Linda's and then oh. two nights at Lanka. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so we only did three, three of the nights. I think there was six. So I think we did three. Those are two of the original kind of micro mm-hmm. sprint home bases yeah. up there too. So you went straight to the heart of it. Yeah. Um, it was pretty cool. I didn't like Linda's that much, but Lanka was, uh, it was right around the fence, you know, bang the boards. It was a little bit of a crash fest the first night. And then, um, second night I just missed it like i just messed up in the heat race and then just set us bad the whole night okay so again for the audience explain banging the boards um so we're, it's a term used in racing where you're right up against the cushion if you don't know what the cushion is it's a buildup of like dirt that forms a pretty big um i don't, I don't even know how to say it like a pretty big uh ledge i'd say yeah there you go and um you get your right ear on it and you uh 
it shoots you off the corner when you hit it, and you have to hit it right, or you're going to flip, or you're going to shove the nose, or you're going to climb the fence, et cetera, et cetera. But um, it's, it's precise, but it's fast. And is that the same as ripping the lip? Uh, yeah, ripping the lip, and board beating, <laughs> any of that, all that See, stuff. See, we got to get the terminology. There'll be a quiz on this later, folks, so uh, study up. Um, okay, so you, you had the chance to go to PA. Um, let's talk about what you've been doing outside of that because you've traveled some in the last couple months. Uh, in fact, you, didn't you just get back from someplace other than PA before you went to PA? Or maybe it was after you went to PA. Uh, yeah, we just got back from Missouri. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, um, so we were racing the midget there, and uh, we ended up second the first night by not even like a hundred. So we were right, we were literally nose by nose to the line. Second night, we finished third. And then we just, uh, it was good. It just wasn't good enough to win it, but, um, and the third night, I just I was trying it on the top again, running the cushion, and uh, I jumped it because it was just so big because the sprint car guys were there. So I uh, was trying something, but um, ended up like tenth there. But yeah, then we got back, hung out for a little bit, or probably three days, and then we hopped on a plane 9 a.m. to go to PA. Oh wow! So that was before PA. Where'd you race in Missouri? Um, it was Sweet Springs and then uh, Valley. Okay. All right, so you've been doing some traveling, and you're jumping back and forth between the, the midget and the micro. What is the difference from a driving standpoint between the two cars? Um, the midget it's the midget and the micro are kind of – they're kind of the same, um, like, like uh, I don't understand. They're not the same power, but they're the same perspective of, like, the car control and stuff. Like, you got to get it okay. bent. You uh, have – like, you can't have it straight in the corner. You're going to get tight. But um, it's definitely different with the midget having more power on the – on the back wheels, um, so you have to um, kind of load it on the, um, the right rear more, so uh, it helps it. Uh, it's it's kind of hard to say when you're like, you're. It's easier to say when you're watching it, but when you're doing it. It's kind of like hard to explain all these things, but um, it's a way different mindset in each car. Okay, so which do you enjoy driving more, the midget or the micro? Oh, no doubt the mi- the midget, no doubt. Is that because of the power difference or what? Um, I think just all around the racing of it, it's way better than like anything else I've ever driven besides the sprint car late model, but um, I like it way better. But I would think that from a competition standpoint, there's a lot of similarity between the two. Uh, yeah, you could say so. There's a lot of big uh, midget races and a lot of big micro races out there, and uh, there's some guys that go from a midget and a sprint car that are like, full-time competing in that USAC deal. They'll go and run a micro race and try and compete, and they can't even finish like top 10 in the main or even make it so uh, it just shows how big the competition level is yeah so is it do you think it's good that you're getting this sort of mix of different cars and if so why uh yeah i think it's it's gonna help but it's definitely hard right now so uh just kind of trying to learn them all but it would definitely help when like probably a year two years from now yeah you're kind of getting like a crash course in all of short track racing aren't mm-hmm. you all at the same time <laughs> yeah. in one year like mm-hmm. you know let's get out of the midget okay and tomorrow we're driving a late model yeah um talk about what you've been doing on the pavement side because i know you've been testing a bit um when do you start actually racing the late model and and how does that all come together for you um i think we start uh, we tested a lot because i just we just needed to test like i wasn't very 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 comfortable in it very good so uh, we just tested a ton i think our first race is coming up here in two i want like a couple weeks probably and um racing at ace so see how that goes Ooh, yeah you're racing on the quarter mile mm-hmm. well that's kind of just like yeah. running a micro sprint at linda's except yeah. it's pavement mm-hmm. yeah 
the comp the the contact will be relatively the same. Yeah, <laughs> you, close. It'll be, yeah. It's the same thing, just a bigger car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you should be good at that. Watch turn one because it, that turn one at Ace is about the easiest corner in North Carolina to overdrive. <laughs> Hey guys, this is Nathan Bird, a.k.a. Birdman, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio. Oh boy, Nathan Bird uh, took a wild ride up at the Oswego Speedway in New York in a super modified uh, a little over a week ago. And uh, the footage of that is on um, his uh, Instagram. If you want to go check it out, if you're on Instagram at, uh, I think it's at the Birdman or at Birdman, B-Y-R-D man, Nathan Bird, uh, just... uh, Boy, um, it's what happens when basically you come out of turn four and get on the gas and the right front suspension just goes into pieces and you have no brakes and no steering and goes straight into the first turn wall. Um, thank God for foam blocks that the Oswego Speedway uses or that crash would have been much worse. He ended up upside down. And his reaction to it is really worth watching the, the crash itself because uh, it was just such a nonchalant well, that was a wild ride. Um, so uh, it was uh, it was really interesting. But uh, I will tell you that after that crash, he went straight to a chiropractor like that day. Um, so uh, that gives you an idea of uh, how uh, open wheel, open cockpit cars can rattle your cage, so to speak. And we have a young driver in the studio with us that we've been talking to who does a lot of open wheel, open cockpit racing. And... Um, that, of course, is Gavin Bochelle. But what we're talking about now is the late model that you're starting to uh, get some time in. And you're running for, this is a pro late model that you're racing, not a late model stock. And you're running for Buggy Pletcher. Um, and, of course, Buggy's been around forever. Um, he's old. By any standards, <laughs> Buggy's old. Um, and I can say that because I'm old, too. So, um, But uh, he's been around a long time, does a great job. What's it been like for you um, under his tutelage with the late model and the times that you practiced it? Um, I like Buggy a lot. He he helps me a lot. He teaches me a lot. And um, he pushes me. To like where like I think I can't go, but I like him a lot. He's like all he wants to do is just win, and um, I want to too. But uh, really, really good guy. And um, I wouldn't say he's that old, but he would get a little mad because <laughs> uh, you know well, he'd get mad at me. <laughs> yeah. I'm, just, I'm just spouting facts here. He's old. Yeah, okay? he's been around a long time. I mean, I think Moses was his first driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I like Buggy a lot. Just kidding, Buggy. <laughs> he's a cool guy. Yeah, he is. He's a great guy, and no, and like I said, he really he. He's been uh, he's had winning drivers for many many years in his cars, mm-hmm. going back to winning. I I was at uh, I think it was the Shimung Speed Room in two thousand one wow. in a in a um, a uh, pre see the car the Hooters Pro Cup Series oh, race. Okay. He had Brian Vickers I think in the car wow. and um and or no I think actually I take that back he won in his own car there. He was driving the car. That was I back when he was it. still racing. Yeah. I had to think back on that, yeah, because um, he had a uh, a relative who was a client of mine at the time, and we went to watch that race, and he ended up winning. I think uh, Vickers and Regan Smith and wow. um, some other guys were racing in the series at that time, and, um, yeah, Buggy ended up winning the race. So he is a good, uh, very good mechanic. What has been, for you, the biggest adjustment, and was it a little bit intimidating to get into the pavement late model for the first time? Um, I wouldn't say it was intimidating, but uh, it was different. It was kind of a different driving style. Everything was different. 
like car setup was and what they like talk about. Just completely opposite of everything I've done my whole life besides quarter midget racing, but uh, it was definitely way, way different. Okay, so explain that. What's different? Um, well, well, obviously you're going from the pavement or the dirt to the pavement, and it's just like a whole different mindset. So like you're kind of dirt stuff, you're always sending hard and then coming off hard, and the pavement stuff, you're kind of slow in and then back the gas pretty fast. But uh, in the super stuff, you're slow in, fast off, and as the tires start to wear, you kind of pace yourself. You don't have to worry about that in the sprint car or midget. Like you kind of you're on attack mode the whole time, and um. A lot of things they talk about too is like on how to save your like how to save your stuff, and I've never really done that before at all until this year. So it's but definitely uh, different for all aspects. Yeah, see, you just let, let's unpack though because you brought up a bunch of stuff there. There, there, the numerous differences between first of all just going from dirt yeah. to pavement. Mm-hmm. Even though you had some pavement experience with the quarter midget real early in, in your in your career, you were like five and six, right, yeah. when you were doing that. So, um. The instinct is there, but you have to, on dirt, you turn, you basically turn the car with the yeah. gas. Mm-hmm. You don't do that on pavement, yeah, right? Yeah, you, uh, you have to use both. And, and the dirt, I would say you kind of use more of the gas. You use the brake sometimes to set the car, but uh, the pavement stuff, you're like, you're sawing on the wheel. You're sawing the wheel on dirt, too, but you're you're not sawing the wheel as much of pavement, and both feet are pretty active the whole entire time. So you're kind of analyzing that brake pressure and rolling back into the gas and kind of... Easy, easy with everything. You're, but you're not, you're not easy with it. But you're, at the same time, you're pretty, uh, pretty aggressive. But in the dirt, you're just full out, hundred percent the whole time on the gas, and uh, probably ten percent brake, ninety percent gas in the dirt car. And the other thing is the pavement races you're going to be running are going to be so much longer than the typical mm-hmm. dirt race. I mean, you're used to what twenty, twenty-five, thirty laps on yeah. the dirt in most of what you race, and now you're jumping up to a car where it's going to be more like fifty, a hundred, even two hundred or yeah. over, depending on where you go. Yeah, there's it was uh, probably a month ago. I was at uh, New Smyrna for a super late model race, and um, it was a hundred laps green to checkered. It was the most laps I've ever done ever. You know, Hayden, my spotter, was telling me it was like 30 to go. He's like, all right, short sprint car race here, short sprint car race. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, my God, I was about to fall out of my seat. It was awful. Yeah, see, that's interesting that you bring that up because that would be expected, right? You haven't conditioned yourself mm-hmm. for endurance. No. Yeah. It's always been about, you know, being able to just horse that midget or that sprint car yeah. or whatever you're driving for 20 laps and that's mm-hmm. it. This is more of an endurance and things like, you know, core and, and just being, you know, cardio. Yeah. So now how how are you adjusting what you do in terms of your fitness routine in order to now start preparing yourself to race longer distance races. Well, yeah, I think the most part was it. I think this, all the dirt stuff was more 80% strength than probably 20% endurance. And um, Josh and Josh and Scott had me, uh, they got me waking up early now and going running and working out and endurance. And I'm not used to that stuff. I'm usually <laughs> staying out till like 2 in the morning at the track. <laughs> And then waking up at twelve, one. And they got me up at like nine in the morning. I mean, it's been it's been it's been tough, but like it's what you got to do. It's been tough, yeah. man. You, you don't know what tough is, Gav. You just don't have any idea. You'll find out in about ten or fifteen years. You'll start realizing this really isn't t- wasn't tough at no. all. But yes, uh, but I understand what you're saying. It's a big adjustment, yeah. right? Because. Mm-hmm. From the mental standpoint, mm-hmm. you've got to be thinking about things that you just aren't haven't had to worry about. Uh, yeah, definitely. They got me 
thinking about all this stuff now, like they got me in more endurance type ready for this stuff and uh, every like they got me more hand-eye coordination stuff kind of looking ahead and definitely I think you have to pace yourself because if you get too overworked and late in the race you're just gonna your performance level is just gonna fall off and you're not gonna be as focused yeah see this is what I saw with um back in the day when we first started letting these kids your age run late models mm-hmm. it, it was you know the Ryan Blaney's and Chase Elliott's and and I watched Ryan and and when Ryan was little he could time trial like there was no tomorrow but yeah. you you get them to about lap 150 of a 200 lap race and you could tell that he was fu- yeah and 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 it isn't necessarily that he would crash but you could tell that you know he was just falling out of the mm-hmm. seat and and it's because obviously it's a different mental approach different training regimen to be able to to do those things and you know you watch younger drivers and it's kind of like i grew up as a drummer and the in the the arc the sort of arc of a young drummer when they're playing in a band is that they're speedy so they start the song at one tempo and then they speed up and i feel like with racers you you start off and you want to go 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 and yeah. there's no um there's no car management then you get into a late model like that, and all of a sudden it's like, well, this is 200 laps. Yeah. I better save the car and save the tires. But how do I do that? Because I haven't built a program for that yet. Um, uh, it's it's definitely you definitely hit spot on. You know, um, everyone usually all the dirt kids are just used to pushing from lap one to yeah. 30 or 35, like full 100% mode push. And uh, you get late model stuff, you really just go. 60% throughout half the race, and then the last 50% of the race, you're kind of going 90% in the whole way, and then maybe even the last couple laps, you're just full 100%, but um, it's definitely different. You have to work on your endurance level, like I said earlier, and uh, just getting ready for being in the hot car for multiple hours, and like well, hours upon hours, yeah. yeah, and uh, especially when it's hot out, too. It sucks when it's hot out, but um, the cold is a little better, but it doesn't make a difference, but it can still wear you out. Well, and you, ha- and, you know, just thinking about it, you also have a roof. Yeah, uh-huh. you're not used you're to driving box. things with uh-huh. roofs. Even if you have a wing, you still have an open cage. Yeah. So the air is you still air sort flow. of moving mm-hmm. around, right? Yeah. Now there's much airflow, so that will be different for you. Yeah. So you're in like a little melting. I like to call it like an oven. You're just yeah. sitting in there and closed. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Everything's there's no the only source of air is out the uh, left side. You can stick your hand out there and feel the wind, but that's about it. So you can't really stick your head out when you're driving. No. <laughs> I don't no, recommend that. Yeah, it wouldn't be good. I mean, yeah, I know that you all in quarter midgets, you still yeah, like, you almost it, drop uh, your head off the pavement, but yeah. not a good idea to do that in a late no, model. Uh-uh. Um, but but uh, it sounds like you've, you, you, you're you conscious of everything that you need to do, and you're just starting now to learn mm-hmm. and get into that process. So um, by the time you've run a handful of late model races, you'll be good to go. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for, you know, I'm just getting in shape for it and just learning the car more so I can get more comfortable. Now, are you, are you intending to head for nascar is that kind of your deal uh yeah i went ahead to nascar so you know i i really like nascar and i want to do both i want to i kind of want to do everything i want to run nascar (laughs) and then uh run a lot of dirt stuff like uh, kyle and christopher do and uh be like that kind of yeah it's funny how more more and more that's being accepted there was Mm -hmm. a good while in nascar where by contract these drivers could go do all that stuff yeah now they're starting to change their tune a little bit and i think they're seeing the benefit from a sponsorship standpoint of all that extra publicity Mm -hmm. that they get so um you're coming along at a good time because you probably won't be overly challenged about trying to do something Mm -hmm. like that yeah i think the dirt stuff helps a lot and i think it helps a lot with just feel the car 
in correlation to the asphalt stuff, but it's uh, it was definitely a big. I feel like it was a big help and a big relief to the guys that wanted to go do it. Okay, we're gonna um, have a little bit more here uh, with Gavin Bochelle as we continue on the Lead Lap Show. But first, we must step aside so you can hear this. Hey, I'm Howie Nisigino, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio. Welcome back to Lee Lap as we continue from the WSIC studio in Statesville, North Carolina. Tom Baker with you. Glad to be aboard for another week of motorsports conversation. And we've got Gavin Bochelle. This is his second go around on the program. And uh, Gavin's been doing so much racing in so many different types of uh, race cars in different places in the country that uh, we thought it would be fun to to kind of get him back and, and let him talk about what that's like from a 13-year-old's perspective. Because think about what you were doing when you were 13 years old. It probably was not running over 100 races a year all over the country in about five or six different kinds of cars. Uh, you know, I, I certainly know I wasn't. So um, it was... It's always been fascinating to uh, to follow a driver like Gavin who does all of this and manages to do it well. Gavin, what what are between races? What kind of preparation? What kind of how do you kind of keep yourself straight? Okay, I'm going to race the midget. I need to do this, or I'm going to race a late model. I need to do this. What's it like for you between races, other than still trying to find a little bit of time to be a kid? Um. Oh, I have plenty of time to be a kid. You know, I always find a way to have my friends over or something like that. Um, but uh, I think the mindset is not much. It's not much of a mindset. It's just how. It's just how many laps you have in the car and how you feel out the car. So it's all in your butt and how you are gonna drive it. It's not much of like, oh, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that without like even. So you can't really say I'm a oh I'm a turn I'm a turn early this corner. You can't really do that unless you're in the car feeling what's going to happen. So if you turn too early, you might wreck, spin out, something like that. So that's why you uh, you have to adjust what the car's doing inside when you're driving it really. But is there are there things that you do differently between races depending on whether you're racing say the midget or the sprint car or the late model or uh, I probably missed two or three kinds of cars you race this year but um does it does your preparation between race change based on what car you're going into the next time um I wouldn't say much of preparation I kind of wake up at, er, actually no I wake up early for the late model stuff and uh you're kind of going all day at it you know it's long days you're going there for probably i don't know nine ten hours there you just yeah hurry up and wait right yeah I know. that's what it all is <laughs> hurry up and wait that's what it is for the sprint car stuff too sometimes but uh you know that side you're up early you're kind of getting your mind ready for a long day you're drinking a lot um and you're just sitting in the hot basically all day it takes a lot of energy out of you and then the sprint car stuff's actually pretty nice and the, all, all the dirt stuff you're uh you usually get there around four, and then you start hollopping around six. So the sun's starting to set, and it's starting to get cooler out. And they don't really they don't drag it along as much. So it's and especially the big shows they do, but like normal races, like regional races, they kind of they they move it along a good bit. But it's definitely a little bit easier on the dirt side all around. And as much as the energy part, you're not there all day. You're kind of just relaxing. You only you don't race a ton. Like in the late model stuff, you're there practicing in the morning and then you're practicing again then you're qualifying and then you, you wait there and then you race a while it's it's a lot but um way different than the dirt 
Are you a driver who could take a nap between, uh, like, at a track between, mm-hmm. say, qualifying and the feature, or um, would that not work for you? Because I've worked with some drivers who did that and woke up just in time for qualifying and completely um, bombed it because they they were still sleepy. Oh, no. I actually um, – it was in New Smyrna, and I was running the super late model. I practiced all morning. And all day, and it was probably around, I don't know, like 2, and qualifying was in like an hour, or I'd say like 2 hours probably, and I took, I, I laid on the floor, I laid on my racing bag, and I just fell asleep, and with my dad, Buggy, and all them in the trailer just sitting there, and they're talking, I, I was completely out. They woke me up probably 45 minutes before. There you go. And I, I was pretty, I, I did I did good actually, they said it was my, probably one of my best qualifying runs, but um. It didn't really affect me that much. I always, I always like sleep, so um, I don't know why. I just love it. Well, the key was you had forty-five minutes to get yourself back mm-hmm. alert. Yeah, That's, uh-huh. yeah. The the key is not make sure somebody wakes you up with yeah. twenty or twenty-five minutes yeah. to kind of get yourself moving again, because otherwise mm-hmm. you're you're still weary when you get in the yeah, car. It has right? to be prior yeah. to. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, now you. So, did you you actually have raced the super? Um, yeah, I raced it in Pensacola, and then I raced at uh, Fly Flags, Pensacola, and then I raced at New Smyrna one time, and that went pretty good both times, you know, it was, it was a lot, I've never, my first race was actually a super, um, it was kind of crazy, but, uh, we did that, and then, um, and we ran a New Smyrna super, we didn't do too bad there, and, uh, after that, we kind of, or we ran a pro race in between after Pensacola, and then we went to the Super. And now we've been kind of just testing, and then we run Hickory, I think, next, not this week, but the next week, and then Ace a couple weeks after that. Okay, so talk about your first race in the Super. What was that like? Because there's a big difference between being on the track by yourself mm-hmm. and then being on the track with other cars, some of which are driven by drivers who've been probably doing it 30 years. So what's it, what was it like to actually go race for the first time what was going through your mind? Um, it was kind of it was kind of cool, you know. I was my first ever pavement race, and um, it's kind of just kind of doing what they would tell me on the radio, and it was definitely different. It was hard. I was kind of like struggling a little bit, you know. Well, you had all those guys like Bubba Pollard, Stephen Nassie, wow. all, all them guys there. It was a pretty big race. <laughs> And, um, Threw you to the wolves. Yeah, tell me about it. They're I, mean. No, no cell, no, no conscious no, at no all. No weekly me. show for you. No, We're going I, straight yeah, to the top. Uh huh. So yeah, well, that a, was a Southern Super Series, I guess. Then. Yep. There's all them guys there. So you had a Bubba, uh, Steven, and I think uh, I forgot the one. There was one guy. I forgot his name though. He was he like won it. He won it the last night. But uh, it was it was hard. You know, um, it was definitely different. Them guys are on a whole other level of. The aspect of driving the car, and that's just what I need to learn. Well, that's true, but mm-hmm. wow, that is—I mean, y- your people are tough because that's like <laughs> yeah. that's like your first four ten race being the Knoxville Nationals. I mean, it's like, that's, yeah, that's insane. That's how I Thirteen years old, running mm-hmm. a Southern Super Series race. That's how, how did I, you? How did you do? Um, I didn't do very good. I probably like one lap down. I don't know. I was dead. We went like eighty laps green, and it was my first ever race. Wow. So I was like, I was dead, like I was just hanging on for dear life. And, uh, <laughs> That's where of, the falling out of the seat uh-huh, thing happened, yeah, right? Uh-huh, yeah, I was kind of just You weren't prepared along. for that. You were hoping no. for a caution-filled event. I, yeah, well, yeah. there was a caution like the first couple laps because there was just a couple of wrecks. And then after that, I was like, oh, we, surely we'll get another caution. And I forgot to turn my fan switch on for the helmet. So I had, no fan, I had no helmet fan the whole time. So uh, 
it was a it was a struggle. Wow. Well, okay. So you learned a few things to remember yeah. for the next time, right? Yeah. And then and then in this new Smyrna, we had no helmet fan at all. Like they oh. forgot to have it the whole entire weekend, and it was blistering hot. <laughs> but uh, it was it, that was hard too. Wow. So. Like I said, your people are mean. They first you forget to turn it on, and then when you remember to turn it on, they don't even have it there for you to turn on. Wow. Okay, so look, you're this is old school, man. You're getting the old school thing down. Because, uh-huh. you know, back in the 70s, they didn't even have power steering in NASCAR. They didn't have cool suits or anything like yeah. that. Those guys were tough guys. Yeah, I don't know how they did it, really. Um, I think about it in the hot, I don't know. I mean, in the cool, I think it would be better, but it, it would still be kind of just dissipating on your body. But um, I think they've... They've kind of they've their body just adapts to it when they're in the car. You do it for so long, you're kind of just used to it, and um, yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is when you, by the time you start to notice you're falling out of the seat, you're down the road of falling out of the seat, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, you always it always feels good when you get out of the car and you're just like, oh, it's over. But like, if you didn't do too good, it's not the best. But like, when you, you're just you're, you're just pooped, like it's. If you Pretty win tired. though, you get out and you have this yeah, like have sprint the, of energy, yeah, uh-huh, right? Yeah. 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 It's weird, you know. You could win, like you could be tired. And I don't really. I haven't got to the point where I've got to win yet in the uh, late model stuff. But uh, the dirt stuff, it can get pretty tiring. You know, you can be there can be a lot of wrecks, and like you'll be in that car for a while doing doing the same laps over and over again on a restart. And then uh, you kind of get out of the car, you're all hot and sweaty, but you don't really care. You have all that adrenaline, and you just out there just celebrating. What is your goal for a late model race now? Where when you when you get into a car to run a late model race? What is the goal for you? What is a win for you? We all know winning the race is always yeah. the goal, but what is a win for you as far as a goal? Uh, yeah, obviously, I always want to win, but um, I think top three and just keeping the car in one piece, probably. Wow, top three! Yeah, and some some places like if it's like a big race, probably like maybe like top ten, and then like if it's like kind of like a decent like race, probably top five, top three. What I thought I might hear is I'm just trying to finish all the laps and keep the car in one piece, but no, yeah, that, Gavin that wants uh-huh. to finish in the top ten. Yeah. Like, he's he's he wants to run in the front. Yeah, it's not fun if you're not running really, you know. <laughs> well, kinda, that's good, though. That's yeah. That should be the way that you mm. feel. But realize that obviously you got to finish first, mm-hmm. so yeah. not, not good to be in the top ten and then crash, crash trying to be yeah. in the top five, mm-hmm. right? So you just take what the car gives you, gives you and uh, try to get through. Because that's how the more laps, obviously, mm-hmm. the more you learn and the better you get. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and this is a whole different thing for you with the extra distance that you're. So now if you could only run NASCAR, or only run dirt, which one would you choose for a goal? Um, It's tough. You know, um, honestly, I'd probably run NASCAR. It's a better. It's a, honestly, I think a better career wise, um, like lifestyle. You know, you're kind of. You're more relaxed than the dirt. As much as like the dirt stuff would probably be in way easier on you, you kind of get to go home for a little bit for a week, and then you get back on the road. You kind of have set dates. In the sprint car stuff, you don't have set dates. You kind of just – there's races yeah. every single day. World of Outlaws is a brute yeah. sport. Uh-huh. <laughs> 90 races a year or whatever. Yeah. It's it, it, There's really no life outside no. of that for most of the year. That is true. Mm-hmm. Um, NASCAR, at least you have a few days mm-hmm. between now – Lots of road course emphasis in NASCAR these days. So where are you? Have you raced on the road course? And where are you with all of that? Because you're going to obviously need at some point to dip into that. Uh, yeah, I raced the karting stuff a lot when I was younger, probably like 8 or no, like 9, 10. And I'm, I started doing karting stuff again, you know, just getting, on the, just getting acclimated to the pavement stuff, kind of using both feet and um, 
messing with the brake and stuff. You know, I've I have a decent amount of road course experience, not a lot, but uh, I think it would help. It would help if I get more. Do you like racing on road courses? Yeah, I think it's cool. You know, yeah. it's it's different. Um, you're you're thinking a lot more about different stuff, and uh, it's a different corner. It's a different corner each lap, or not each lap, but you know, different corners, like fourteen corners instead of four. So uh, you're thinking different each corner, like how much brake pressure you're gonna apply when you're gonna get yeah. back into the gas and all that stuff. Okay, we're going to step aside, be back to finish things up with Gavin right after this. Hi, I'm Jesse Love, and you're listening to Lead Lap Radio. So there is a driver that uh, has done very much what Gavin is doing now. Jesse Love has run just about everything you can think of under the sun. Um, and uh, I would love to put that boy in a super modified car just because that's what I grew up with. In fact, I'd like every driver to have that experience because I just don't think there's anything like it. But uh, we've got Gavin Bochelle in the studio with us as we finish up today's lead lap show. Um, how well do you know Jesse, Gavin? And, um, you know, do you ever talk, the two of you ever talk, compare notes, talk about racing? Um, yeah, I, I talk to him a decent amount at uh, Millbridge a lot. I don't, I haven't really uh, hung out with him outside of anything or talked to him outside of any racing tracks. But uh, I talk to him a decent amount. He's a, he's a nice kid, and uh, he's he's really good at what he does too. Uh, he does everything. Yeah. Just like a lot of young kids, you know. And he's he's done a good job of like having a mindset of going into each different car and uh, performing well. Yeah, he really does work hard at the craft. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some young drivers who just get in the car and drive, and, and they're not really students of the game. But uh, the ones that I enjoy watching are the ones like yourself who really work hard at trying to develop the craft of driving race cars and in understanding what each race car needs. How much time do you spend actually working on cars or or talking about the inner workings of each car that you drive with your crew chief and so forth. Um I don't I I don't really work on the car at all. Like I don't set it up at all. Like if I set it up there there something would probably break. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. That's why I'm talking into a microphone now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I I do a lot of talking to the crew chief, especially when I get out of the car, you know, we debrief a lot of what the car does. Not so much in the dirt, you know, it's a quick like 5 minute talk cuz you know, it's not there's not as much stuff that has to go right on the car on dirt cuz you can do it more on your with yourself, you know, adjusting to it, you know, running different lines. And the pavement stuff, you can do the same thing, but it's it's a lot of car in the pavement world, you know. So you have to you take a little bit of talking and uh, debriefing and thinking with your crew chief about what the car is going to do. I feel like with dirt, it's almost more about being able to read the track yeah, sometimes uh-huh. than it is mm-hmm. the being perfect with the race car. I feel like on pavement, it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. It's, you know, pavement is all about setup and being perfect with the setup. But dirt is so much about the track because dirt tracks yeah. change so much over the course of an evening, whereas a pavement track really doesn't that much. Oh, uh, yeah. Like an example is probably Knoxville Nationals. Now, you could be... It's a 50 lap race, so you could be leading it, and they reworked the whole entire thing. And you're leading the race, you're running the bottom, and it's starting to slick off, slick off, and here comes Brad Sweet blowing off your doors in the top, you know. <laughs> it, uh, it's definitely hard when you're the leader because you don't really know when that line is getting pushed up, but you kind of have to go off feel. And if it's if you feel it's getting slower and slicker on the bottom, then you got to move up. So, uh, it's definitely hard, but when you're in second, you can kind of try more stuff because you have a leader to base it off of. So if, like, you're on the bottom and you're not catching them and it's getting slower, then just try different – just go where he's not, you know. I feel like every racer has moments of 
Holy cow, that was amazing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, can you think of a moment in your young career at 13 where you just sort of went, oh my gosh, that was incredible? Um, Chili Bowl. My first year at Chili Bowl, it was heat race. And I was kind of just running, running mid-pack, you know. I was up to four, or was up to, I was actually up to third, and I got a penalty, and I went back to, like, fifth, I think. And it was on the restart. It was two laps to go, and I just, I was, everyone was on the bottom, and I, on the restart, I went, I went right around the top, and I was like, "Wow, that's gripped up!" And I went all the way up to second. I and remember I, that. Yeah, I, I saw got, that. I almost got coons on the last lap, but I, it was really fast. Yeah, that. that I mean, that's. Do you have time at any point in that moment to go? That's that guy right there that I almost just beat in my first time here has been racing since my dad was probably in high school. Uh, no, I never think about that honestly. People tell me people would be like, "Oh, you, man, you almost beat Jerry Coons Jr." I was like, "Oh wow, that's cool." <laughs> like I don't really ever think about it. So, uh, but and that's probably good in one sense because you don't get intimidated by the competition. Mm-hmm. But you know what? In another sense, it it helps you. T- I think to stay humble, to realize what you're getting to do at Mm -hmm. 13, which, you know, when you're having a bad night and you're kind of dejected, you know, and and thinking, well, this just isn't going very well. If you look up in the grandstand Mm -hmm. and you see all the other 13 year olds in the grandstand that would kill to be in the car to have that bad night, Mm -hmm. it kind of humbles you, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, It's a big opportunity that I have, you know, it's definitely cool. Cause, you know, most kids don't have this opportunity. There's very few little little kids my age being 14 or 15 or 16. It's definitely hard to comprehend, like, what it's like in the car from them kids that are, just, that are watching on TV or even in the stands. Yeah, I mean, do you do you get a lot of kids that come up to you and want your other grand want to talk to you and all that? I um, imagine you have a pretty big fan club. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't say, honestly. I'm not sure. I don't really focus on that stuff. But there's kids that, uh, that come up to me and talk to me. And I know kids personally that are like uh, like younger kids that I kind of talk to sometimes. Like, it's it's cool seeing them, you know, getting the racing and stuff, the racing world, and um, seeing them start out in Cornish like what I did in a box stock and uh, all that stuff. So, do you get to help them and kind of teach them the way a little bit? Uh, yeah, kind of give them advice, you know, um, tell them. I'm not, I don't give them advice much, but kind of like because they don't, you know, they don't listen really. They kind of just like, oh, okay, all right, all right, I know. <laughs> um, but you know, I talk to them like uh, it's it's cool seeing them like e- like evolve like me. Like I was three and a half years old, and like I would never thought I would be racing. Three and a half. Yeah, what I was doing now. So it's I only remember my first laps in a box stock besides chasing a guy in the parking lot. But, oh uh, wait a minute! I want to hear more about uh, that. So I was three years old, and we had a little yard cart and. <laughs> Oh my God, I forgot his name. Oh my, oh my God, I I forget. Huh? Dave Lewis. Uh, Dave Lewis. It was Dave Lewis, and he was always out there helping me. And I was in the parking lot in a yard cart, and I would we had it set on a certain speed. I'm pretty sure. So my dad told me, and I would I would just hit the gas and I would turn and I would keep turning and he would be running. I'd be chasing him around and like. <laughs> I'd almost hit him. I'm pretty sure I almost hit him a few times. That's all I remember. <laughs> I also remember his guy in jeans, and I was just chasing yeah. him around. So, and, so he was kind of your pace car sort yes, of thing, mm-hmm. showing you. 
And then we eventually... He's, he's either brave, crazy, or a combination of both. I don't know which. He was, he was, a, he was, a, he was a, definitely had a lot of trust in my three-year-old self, so uh, I wouldn't have done that. That's but, uh, awesome. We eventually moved to an actual track, Millbridge, when there was just white tires around there. And, yeah. You know, walls you could hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, walls you can... Or tires you can hit, but um, yeah. He wasn't going to be the uh, the the runner for you mm-hmm. at Millbridge. No, he'd he'd be passing out on the track yeah, in turn two. Yeah, he couldn't make it all the way. <laughs> yeah, that's how that goes. But uh, that's yeah. pretty awesome. That's that's a great story. All right, real quick, we got about thirty seconds. Who helps you make your racing happen, man? Um, Swindell Speed Lab K One, um, definitely Chevy. Um, my mom, my dad, my brother. Uh, you know the uh, buggy, the lay model stuff, and Stilo. Uh, driven, and I think I got every uh, Adams. Now motorsport games, motorsport games. There you go. And um, I think I got everybody. If you would bring a list the next time you come in, see, then you wouldn't have to wonder it. You just read the list. That's how yeah. you should do it, folks. Gavin Bochel, always fun. Good luck to you. We'll be, I'm sure we'll be hearing from Gavin again before the year's out. That's it for Lead Lap for this week. Have a blessed week, everybody. So long. You've been listening to The Lead Lap Show, home to Southeast Motorsports coverage on the radio. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Lead Lap Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And visit leadlapshow.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of The Lead Lap Show. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written consent of the League Lab Show. Thank you for listening.